1: Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's
2: quince.com
1: slash upgrade.
2: The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors, Johara and and Cabin. Discover
3: the all-new Renault Arcana at Blackstone Motors that comes with a five-year warranty. Call us now to arrange a test drive or visit blackstonemotors.ie for more details. Good afternoon, you're very welcome along to The Late Lunch here on LMFM on this Wednesday afternoon. I don't know where the week is going to. I'm Alison O'Reilly and we're here until 3.30. Myself and Louise, she's standing by to take calls, texts and emails and all the rest. Uh, and we'd love to hear from you. I'll just give you the details. You can text us or WhatsApp us on 086 1800 658 or you can email us at info at lmfm.ie. We've a fairly packed show today. Uh, coming up on the programme, Connor is going to be speaking to us about his new book on Albert Reynolds' Risk Taker for Peace. Now, if you were listening yesterday, you would have heard Serena Gavin she was on the show um, about a very large fundraiser for Shane McGough who's from Kells and he's in Australia with his partner Michelle and their child. He was diagnosed with um, a brain tumour and a huge fundraiser is taking place at the moment to get his mum and Michelle's mum out to Australia and to get through all of those roadblocks and red tapes and everything um, in order to tend to her son and his partner. Um, and also three of Ireland's oldest circus families are going to to. come together for the first time since Covid so that'll be quite exciting Yemi Adenuga I keep saying this wrong she turns 50 and she's going to be talking to us about her celebrations that are coming up and Tony Duffy is urging people not to panic over buying toys this Christmas can you believe people are even talking about Christmas at the moment they are And uh, there's a bit of panic buying going on about toys at the moment. He's going to put your fears at ease. And uh, a little bit later on, we'll be joined by two men who swam the North Channel yesterday. I'm looking forward to that. Uh, But first, a new book about Albert Reynolds, Risk Taker for Peace by former Minister of State, Conor Lenehan, who gives us an insider's account of the courageous personal risks he took for peace in Ireland. And Conor's on the phone now. Conor, how are you?
4: I'm Grand Allison. How's how's program going?
3: Oh, good, good. Yeah, yeah. Good. Good. <laughs> swimming and swimming and staying afloat. You know, that's good. <laughs> as that's you good. do, as you do. That's and good. this is this is the first book on Albert Reynolds. Yes, it's
4: it's taken people a while, I suppose, to fully appreciate his, his contribution. There was an earlier book by a very good friend of mine, uh, Tim Ryan, uh, but that came to a stop in '94, so it, mm. it didn't really cover. Uh, the bulk of the reason why he fell from power and then the period of his life after uh, he moved on from politics. So yeah, I took up the task. I said, he's worth a good book. I did a book on I back in 2015. It Mm. was very successful. And I actually knew Reynolds better than I in that sense. I knew High more through my father, uh, the late Brian and him, but I knew um, Albert at, at a professional level when I was working on a local radio station just like yours and we we used to feed the news at the top of the hour through to stations like your own
3: Yeah, yeah and So
4: I was covering him as an occupational professional thing so he was a very good person to deal with from a journalist point of view and then I migrated myself into business and then into politics and I ended up serving with him as well so I have kind of three particular perspectives on his life the journalistic one the family one and then obviously Certainly, actually serving alongside him as a TD and working as an intermediary,
3: and, and and as a journalist, Connor, he was he was good to deal with because it is it is as you know quite difficult sometimes to uh, chat to politicians as a journalist. But you say he was very approachable.
4: Oh, hugely approachable. Mm. I mean, literally, you'd go in to do an interview with him, say when he was Minister of Finance, and he'd say, "Have a coffee, put your feet the there. and he'd give it the officials to get your coffee. He'd you know, talking yeah. away. And very candid, like he didn't really include things. He wasn't—he wasn't incredibly devious. Like he, he he pretty much said whatever he felt about an issue, you know, up front. Sometimes you know you could well you know, you couldn't close it. Obviously, he was talking off the record, but he was very, very frank in everything he did. That was the, the kind of the difference. Yeah, he's was sort of person where other politicians might lead you around in a merry dance. He, he just said straight away something was possible. You know, he might go, "Can you do this? No, can't do that." <laughs> yeah. And
3: and you knew where you uh, stood. Yeah. Hmm? You knew where you stood.
4: That's right. Yeah, yeah. There was no none of that kind of um, as I say, dancing around the, the subject of the issue. So he was very straightforward. And 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 the other thing, of course, is that he was just huge energy because he didn't take drink. And a lot of people at that time would be drinkers. Mm. And the professionals kind of played with that and the, and old cultural party activism and all that. Whereas he he had this kind of energy. But and a lot of people who went out with him socially you know like maybe in the door Bar there or something but a lot of people didn't realise that he didn't drink he was kind of the life and soul of the party without being a drinker which is quite a hard thing Yeah
3: I didn't realise that now I thought he would have been a drinker as well as you say there was a lot of drink taken back then
4: mm. He changed in later life. he would take a mm. glass of wine mm. very late in life when he was you know just sort of became ill and stuff and only with friends and stuff but even then he wasn't he wasn't sculling it down or anything like that so yeah, no, he had a huge energy level. I mean, that's the other thing about him that he was up and running, and typically during late nights, he was because of the experience back in the dance hall business, which was very much obviously a showbiz late night type business.
3: See, I didn't know this. Now, I was really intrigued to hear this that he was a very successful music promoter, and uh, so he was a, an entrepreneur, a businessman, and a politician. It sometimes doesn't doesn't always work together.
4: No, it doesn't work together. And that was the thing, Alison, I found intriguing about this, that he had this dual life of business and politics throughout his life. And I think it was his very good friend, Desi Hines, uh, from Longford, there, who said, you know, he's a lifelong friend, he said, his, his brain was first and foremost kind of a business brain. And then he took that brain and, and those talents and skills into politics. And, of course, there was an element of slash and burn about his progress. You know, he he was only two years in the dawn and he was made a full cabinet minister. You know, it's so, like, he didn't hang around or waste time in the same anesthesia he spent three years at on Uh but he did big things in terms of the beast thing and all that sort of thing right?
3: yeah and he he um you know, as a, as a, an entrepreneur, you know, I suppose that would be part of taking the risks, wasn't it? Because I suppose one of the things about this book as well is that you've really put out there in centre stage, you know, the work that he did in the peace process where he might not necessarily have gotten the, the credit he deserved for the work he did there before um, Bertie Ahern.
4: No, no, he didn't get the credit largely but, but because it, it, it all happened so swiftly and fastly, you know, mm. sometimes when you do things quickly. And it's not a long drawn out process. You don't get the credit. I mean, I've seen a little element of that in my own ministry career. <laughs> you know, that some other person comes in, and to a large extent, the credit goes to them. And, and actually, one of the frustrating parts of being a minister is that sometimes you're working for a few years on a project, and another minister comes in and he gets to announce it. So, and then, <laughs> in a sense, they get the credit of that. You know, but in fairness to both Bertie and Albert, they both did very significant parts of it. I mean. Bernadette he was FDAT, which was the negotiation, negotiating the settlement, which is just as tricky and difficult. But um,
3: but he was breaking the ice between all of these parties, wasn't he?
4: Yeah, well, Albert was the man who cracked the ice, you know, it was just a frozen surface, really, in the North Department.
3: And also Jeez. engaging engaging with terrorists, more or That's
4: less. Right, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's the only thing I don't think anybody else before, since, would risk doing, like, he went and travelled privately into Northern Ireland to visit the North
3: but you see, I I always feel that you like without
4: you the official protection. It, oh,
3: without the official yeah. protection! Wow, without,
4: without any uh, special branch. Or, in fact, he he used to make an act of kind of giving them the slip. You know, hiring <laughs> a particular driver to join him in the car and go up and across the border. So you know, the, Briti- the British, the Northern Ireland were worked out of his arrival or, or his presence at all. Uh, and that was the extraordinary thing that he, he was just doing this on his own and uh, had the kind of. It goes back again to his, his night updates or his music you call it night up, but his music uh, promotion days, he he very much travelled on his own like he, he booked out the Ulster Hall back in the 1960s and he drove himself up you know to manage the events and he asked that he'd hired to visit with the hall you know so yeah he was that kind of driven person you know he. he Told nothing of travelling anywhere in the world or anywhere in Ireland to get a result you know and mm. one of the great things about him as a minister was he was really good in front of we call it the classic foreign direct investor uh, people that would the idea would be trying to lure into Ireland but uh, for him Garen actually many years ago said he was told me he was really excellent but you know he could talk he could put him safely in front of a business group you know however big uh, you
3: see, the, the business end of things probably came in there. I mean, when you're engaging with the likes of terrorists, I suppose he's way ahead of, of his time there because, um, you know, that's what you kind of have to do. You have to kind of sit down. and It's it's not it's not the most favourite thing in the world to do and you don't get the thumbs up for doing it. But sometimes you have to hear them out and actually be armed with what they're talking about and what they want. So um, it, it was extremely brave of him to do that, I feel.
4: It was, yeah, yeah. And I mean, literally, it's word of some of this content that got out at the time. I mean, he would have been toast, basically. Yeah. Basically. I think people would have just turned on him, even internally turn, in the party, and said, no, no, you, you know, you've got to be pushed out of the way here. You know, it's not, not on. So he also created a whole series of networks from both his dancehall days, his business days, political days, you know, people who were working away for him feeding him information. So he, he wasn't relying on what we call the official channels exclusively. Of course, he had the Department of Foreign Affairs, mm. Department of Justice, key people there helping and assisting. But he had this huge network of his own that was self-generated and created. And uh, it, it was only years after that I'd become aware of certain other people who had been doing kind of some of this work for him, you know, under uh, the surface.
3: Yeah. And uh, your other book you mentioned, uh, you, you've done a book on Charlie Hawhey, a um, controversial figure in his own right, but uh, you have Albert Reynolds now. Uh, just the relationship with Charlie Hawhey and your dad. I mean, they had, a, they had a very good relationship, but they fell out. But then they were friends again. Is that right? That's
5: right, yeah. No, my father was a big man to hold
4: grudges even about Hawhey. I mean, I know, mean, did too much to do the presidential election, but that was the government. But, uh, no, no, we, they kind of, you know, I think over the long period that they knew each other from the 60s onwards, they were, they were good friends. Uh, I think, um, obviously, wasn't the same relationship after, in fact, but, you know, they had lunch and that kind of stuff. But, mm. uh, yeah, yeah. They weren't they weren't long. the
3: best of pals in the. They weren't the best of pals, but they did, as you said, your father didn't hold a grudge. But I, I do have to ask you about the money for your dad's liver. Your family saw that as a great gesture of kindness.
4: Well, we didn't I mean, obviously, the tribunal took the view that he had, in a sense, misappropriated some of the yes. that yeah. had been made available by very time.
3: And obviously, your family wouldn't have known that. But I mean, when when that came to light, how did you feel?
4: Well, my mother was quite forgiving, about now had passed on, but she was quite forgiving about the whole thing because she felt that my father had got the operation for which the money had been raised. Clearly, you know, we didn't have access to that money with Mr. Holly and, and some of his friends who were raising the money. And we weren't aware, obviously, that you know, it had been oversubscribed. So what you're talking about is a fund of goodwill people came around and it was yeah. oversubscribed. I mean, the logical thing for charity would be to sort of return some of it.
3: Return it exactly to, to some of the
6: people who had given it, but it, that clearly didn't happen. No, no. But <laughs> my
4: mum and, and the family—we had a positive feeling about what he tried to do, and he did, and was successful in, in, in helping my father that difficult time. So you know, we don't, yeah, sort of we don't do anything always outrageous. Or, yeah, to the planning his behaviour generally was, whatever about. We've got a management of the fund
3: itself. Yeah, I know. I know. Very, very controversial. Absolutely. I have to ask you, though, Conor, about the party today. Do you think the coalition is going well between Fianna Fáil, Gael? And will they, you know, their legacy be the vaccine rollout and how fast it's been? It's it's actually been quite successful and the best in the world. But do you think, you know, with the ups and downs of Covid and how they've managed things over the last 18 months, will, will this be what they're remembered for?
4: I don't know. It's very hard to tell, you know, the old the old cliché a weeks-long a time of politics. I think these things like the COVID, you, you don't really get huge credit for solving them, you know, unless it, the election is, you know, shortly after they actually happened. We had certain pick-up when we dealt with the, you know, the the beef outbreak, the mad cow disease, mm-hmm. all the you know, it, because it was within kind of eight, six or eight, nine months of the election. I, I don't even get credit for these these big items and I think yeah. one of the problems with this government is it's somewhat incoherent because it's a three party coalition and two of the leaders Mr. Bradker and Mr Mann lost in the election. So in a sense they're almost they're, their stock and credibility is down almost automatically because they hadn't won the election and a lot of people felt that since they were being excluded from from office by these two older parties. So I don't know. I think I think was had the biggest problems in government since they got in because they're simply not getting any credit when mm. obviously Jim Zane and opposition are growing and Fine are actually growing on what they achieved in the election so it, it's a fairly serious situation and I know yeah. that the Tds are very concerned about even the survival of the party that you know when you're on 13% in, nationally in the polls and maybe only 5 or 7% in government you know that suggests the party that's actually going out of business not kind of Getting ready to renew itself. Exactly. You know what I mean? Yeah. So exactly. I think That's the big. It's a survival issue for them now. I would have thought. But
3: well, anyway. maybe another book, Connor. Maybe another book. But we'll have to leave it there. <laughs> <It's really
4: laughs>
3: we'll have to leave it there. Thanks very much well, for joining us. Thank that's Connor Lenn. Thank you. Uh, so Conor Lenehan. Lenehan. <laughs> that's Connor Lenihan there uh, on his new book about Albert Reynolds, Risk Taker for Peace. You're listening to the Late Lunch. We'll be back after this. Now, welcome back to The Late Lunch here on LMFM. Now, if you were listening to the show yesterday, we were speaking to Serena Gavin, who has set up a very large fundraiser for her cousin, Shane McGill, who's from Kells. And he's in Australia at the moment with his partner, Michelle, and their child. And uh, he's after receiving just dreadful news that he has um, a brain tumour. And at the moment, um, uh, Michelle's mother, and shane's mother are trying to get over to australia together they need to go together as support for each other and um there's a lot of money being raised at the moment to get the two mammies over there to look after shane and michelle who both need support now um uh, michelle's mammy um, mary farrell is on the line now mary thanks very much for joining us under very very difficult circumstances thanks hannah yeah I know it's it's extremely painful for you. We can't even imagine what you're going through at the moment, uh, Mary. But you're you're receiving astronomical support here from the public for your very very difficult situation. Yeah,
1: and um, Kels everywhere, not just Kels, is uh, been fantastic to both Cathy and myself. Um, even in Australia, even from Michelle and Jane, it's just phenomenal. There's. It's just hard to put in towards what people are doing for us. We really, really appreciate it, but you still keep getting the
3: knocks. Of course you do, yeah. And you're, and unfortunately, it's happened at the worst possible time in a pandemic where Australia is very much closed off to the rest of the world, um, and they're in several lockdowns at the moment. But Shane's mother has received a travel exemption yesterday, and you were refused, and this has just completely floored you.
1: It's just knocked the bottom out of my bucket. I'm probably the strongest one of the whole lot. But that news yesterday with no explanation of why yeah, I can understand what's going on, but why I was refused, no reason. Um, I questioned it. I sent emails in, and so did Serena. That's helping as well. And they have just told me to reapply again for my visa and my exemption. And submit a load of documentation on behalf of Michelle of her well-being and her situation to see if I will get an exception.
3: And so far, there's there's no move on this, but you're keeping you're going to keep at it.
1: Oh, I'm not letting it go no. I'm not letting it go Good in woman shadow of doubt, I'm not letting it go Any help I can get for anybody that can help me I'd appreciate it
3: uh, Yeah and and if there's anybody out there who can help Mary or advise her on anything um, when she resubmits these documents we'd certainly give us a shout here in LMFM and we'll pass it on uh, Mary how are Michelle and Shane at the moment uh, I suppose just probably talking to you on the phone the whole time and trying to keep each other going
1: I'm just I spoke to him about an hour ago um, and Shane has said he had he started his treatment today. Um, he started his chemo this morning as a tablet and he had his radiation late afternoon. He's in, they're both in good form for but they're very upset that I have been refused and really don't need that negative for, for either of them and especially for Shane. He needs to keep his spirits up for his treatment. Mm-hmm. So this has knocked both of them and they have talked to the consultants out there today about it. So they're helping their end to try and get me out. Wow! But it's, it's just, they're so fantastic the two of them and they're so strong and look um, at Michelle is my only girl as well so I finding it very hard for her. Of course Mary. to get out there too hard with Cathy. You know, I can only imagine how Cathy is feeling so I just need to get out there to be strong and not to be breaking down.
3: Absolutely, no. And I mean, given that all they're going through on the other side of the world and then having to fight from that end and speaking to doctors, they're probably going to try and secure some um, letters from their medical professionals over there too to help you get over there. They need you there. You all need each other.
1: Well, I mean, you know what to say. If you're a parent and your children are always, sorry, sorry for the daddies, but always look for the mammies first.
3: Yes, and
1: unfortunately, that's the situation there. Look, the friends are fantastic over there. They're good friends, good Irish people over there, but nothing is the same as having two mummies. It's just not the same, and yeah. you know, um, unfortunately, that's what's needed. And yes, oncology consultant is drafting up a letter for Michelle, and her GP is doing one, and hopefully, we'll have them in the morning. So we'll attach whatever we have to send in and hopefully that they'll reconsider. That's well, just the situation.
3: I think you're absolutely right, Mary. You can't let it go. I mean, they need no. you. You all need each other. And that is one hell of a journey to make because it's not just a flight to Australia. It's all the red tape that goes with it before you even see Michelle or Shane. Um, that's yeah, the difficulty.
1: Yeah, you're right, Alison. An email came in to me today because um, my son had been talking to the embassy yesterday and they just come in and say like it's not as you said it's not all about the exemptions you know you have to do quarantine you have to do 14 days the cost of it i don't think kathy or i care about that that stage once we get into added it we do the 14 days with pride because we're no going to see them in 14 days time
3: exactly you do you do four weeks if you had to just as long exactly. as you get there
1: yes exactly that's what we don't they needn't be telling us about that we just want both of their exemption and get on that wherever we get a flight i know it's very hard to get flights but we'll work on that if we have to do exemptions
3: exactly and you know the fundraising is fantastic support to have behind you because all of these things let's call a spade a spade it requires money
1: exactly like i mean there's so many other people in need as well and I, i see it myself but it's just phenomenal that The people are coming in. You can't even go up the street, neither Cathy or I, because you don't know when you're going to get home because people are stopping. I went up to town today. The businessman in the town, please, Mary, come to me. Any help I can give you, I'm here. Don't be afraid to ask. And I just looked at him and all I could say was thanks. What else can I say? Exactly. You know, it's, look, I don't know how we're going to ever thank anybody in the first place. Well
3: I don't think you need to worry about that at the moment you need to just stay focused and by the sounds of it Mary you don't need any revving up there. It sounds like you would both walk across hot coals for for your children and we're all behind you and the fundraising campaign is a a GoFundMe page and it's called Help Shane Fight This Illness and Help Mary and Cathy get over to their children. Mary thank you so much for joining us on LMFM here on The Late Lunch and uh, we hope to speak to you soon but we're all with you, and all our listeners are with you. You just keep fighting, Mary. Good things happen, and uh, you know it'll it'll go your way. Please, God. Thanks, thanks for having me. Thank you very much. Thanks for being on. Now we'll take uh, a break, and we'll head to news and sport. Now you're very welcome back to the late lunch here on LMFM. I'm Alison O'Reilly, and uh, still to come on the show, Yemi Adenuga is turning fifty, and is going to be talking to us about her celebrations. And we'll also be sp- speaking to Duffy's Toy World in Dunlear who are asking us to keep calm about buying toys over Christmas. A lot of panic buying at the moment. Uh, imagine in September, but yes, it's happening. And we'll also speak to two very brave men who will give us the lowdown on Swimming the North Channel yesterday. But don't forget now, we've got the oldest circus families on the line and they're back in action. We've got David Duffy and Tara Jabola. How are you both? Good morning. Good good afternoon. Good afternoon. (laughs) Great to hear from you both. So you you all uh, kind of had to down tools and animals and everything over COVID. You must have been hit very hard.
7: Um, yeah, I, sure. I'll go first. Um, yeah, so Alison, of course, we have uh, like everybody in the live mm-hmm. entertainment sector. We've uh, we've had a very rough uh, and unusual eighteen months. Um, <clears throat> we are the last ones, obviously, uh, to be allowed to get back open again. But look, we're 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 a lot more positive than we were uh, a couple of months ago. We have a timeline now. We have a date, and uh, that's. Far more than we've had like for the last uh fifteen sixteen months, so we're, yeah we're we're getting ready uh, to go back uh, on the road and uh, we're we're really really looking forward to it because you know, um as i've said many times before it's been the longest period uh, ever. That, we, uh, that we've been out of work, that we haven't been touring. So, um, yeah, it's going to be great to, to get back and uh, it's obviously going to be a really, really special event that uh, Jabalers are putting on in, uh, in St. Hassel.
3: And Tara, um, is this the first time you've all come together? Yeah,
0: um, it has. I mean, it, it, we were awarded a, a grant um, due to the uh, LLPFS, which is the Live Performance uh, Support Scheme, And one of the stipulations was that the grant um, had to to, uh, take place in Mead. So we came up uh, with the idea of Slane Castle. um, Mm. And it also ties in, um, (coughs) Circus and Funfair have um, at the moment just been um, uh, deemed as a tangible um, and cultural um, entity. So it ties in with UNESCO. and, And of course, we're local here. We're local here in Mead ourselves. Mm. So, yeah, it's, uh, it's pretty iconic, actually.
3: How many um, performers would you both have between you in the circuses?
7: Um, well, uh, we would normally tour with uh, a company of 50. Um, I think Tara would be maybe around 30. Um, so... Um, I mean, again, that's one of, uh, one of the reasons why we, uh, we are getting together to do uh, these shows uh, in Slane um, because at the moment, obviously, it is very difficult to get artists and crew back. Uh, any artists uh, that need visas are still obviously being held up because visas haven't been issued um, because circuses in England and in Europe have both, uh, they've all been open for the last six months so there's a huge pool, obviously, of the top circus artists are already uh, employed, so uh, look. It, it, it's um, it's working. It's working out well for a lot of reasons. I mean, it's great to get back on tour. It's great to be uh, you know working with the other Irish circuses, and uh, I I can't really think of any other better way. And for us all to be getting back on tour, all getting back on the road at the same time, so it's, for for me, it's it, it's, uh, it's 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 great. It's going to be really special.
3: And uh, Tara, obviously, the a lot of animals involved in circuses. Uh, what happens to them when you can't work?
0: Um, well, we actually hire in our own animals um, each year. Um, they come from Germany, and when the pandemic hit there last year, um, all our artists and staff and David's as well, and everybody else. Um, we sort of um, had to go back to our winter quarters. So all of our staff really were stranded here because uh, for obvious reasons they couldn't get back home and none of us knew really how long this was going to last. And I mean, initially we thought it was going to be a couple of weeks, a couple of months, but um, as things went on, that didn't happen. And then when some of us could reopen, the numbers were too small. So eventually most of our staff got home. Some stayed. Um, and the majority then had to go home, obviously, back to their own families and such. So, yeah,
7: it was... Yes. It was, it was so, uh, to, like, yeah, so, uh, you know, like to, um, just to finish off your question, uh, Alison, as a say, Tara's um, <clears throat> all uh, the animals that she had employed in, the horses and ponies mm-hmm. uh, uh, and dogs, they all returned back to Germany and um... The horses and ponies uh, that we have here, we're we're, like we are lucky enough. We have uh, a farm of 17 acres, so um, all the the horses and ponies uh, are, um, you know, they're all out in the paddocks. And obviously, you know, we've uh, even though we've been closed, it's obviously we've, uh, we've, you know, they've been obviously a priority, so they have to be looked after. Um, So they've been, you know, they've been enjoying a bit of a break as well. So they're kind of in semi-retirement now.
3: Lovely stuff. So tell us about the big top and the um the Celtic voyage which opens in Slane Castle uh, for th- for the next month for two weeks. You're going to g- you're going to be there, David. Yeah.
7: Go ahead. Um, yeah, so um, yeah, we're going to be in, uh, in Slane uh, over the first two weekends in uh, October and uh like between uh Tara and ourselves um, you know, we're, we're, we'll be putting a, uh, the programme together. Uh, we'll be using quite a bit of uh, our equipment, uh, our big top and seating. And uh, then uh, Tara uh, and Tawala will be, uh, obviously, then supplying a lot of logistics and they will be producing the show. So, um, you know, between the two of us, um, you know, it, it's uh, it's going to be terrific. Uh, but I I would... I would let Tara actually give you the whole rundown of uh, the Celtic voyage and what we're doing then, obviously, with um, with Irish dancers and uh, Irish musicians. So um, I'd let uh, let Tara tell you about that.
0: Yeah, well, it's it's really a a fusion of um, contemporary and music and songs and traditional circus um, artists and featuring Ireland's best, which is Tom and Jamie Duffy and the Wheel of Death and Otto, the Clown, um, and some of our artists and and some of David's artists. So we have actual live music a Four Piece Band and and a singer who will uh, perform for some of the acts. And uh, we have Jean Kennedy from Riverdance and she will also be performing. So we have some contemporary artists also from Isaacs, um, which is the Irish street art spectacle and circus and they're Irish as well. So we're trying to fuse all those elements together and I think um, Flane Castle uh, background, backdrop to Flane Castle would be absolutely fantastic. We also have a vintage funfair where you can uh, have uh, the Ferris wheel and the carousel and all of that and we have um, a circus museum in the foyer of the tent from Tony McCarthy and it also has footage from days gone by it's actually some of my hu- husband's uh, family footage there and old posters and memorabilia so um, it's, it's, um, it's combining everything that we possibly can think of really um, in this one event
3: So you're raring to go oh,
0: Absolutely, can't wait Nervous, <laughs> but can't wait
3: <laughs> We're all nervous It was that? I say we're all nervous, yes. Of course you are. And I was going to ask you, like, how do you train? A long wait, yes. how, do, how do you keep the training up and, you know, practising? If the animals are sent back to Germany, how do you continue to train with them? Or do you get time to train before the circus? Like, where are they back now, the animals?
0: Um, no, our animals aren't back this year um, because, of obviously, the time we're starting out. We we would actually be winding down our season now at this stage.
3: OK. So
0: uh, we're really off-kilter time-wise. We'd be actually um, on our way home, So, uh, and we would start in February, but obviously, um, you know, numbers are back up now and because of the grant, etc. So... Um, yeah, I mean, um the animals have their daily training as as well as the artists do and um everybody well they have to stay fit and and uh keep it going as they say, you know.
3: There's so. there's obviously huge uh focus now on animal welfare and caring for animals uh, and I suppose you know that that's no different when it comes to the circus What what protections are in place and what do you do to ensure animal welfare now because it's a huge focus as you know
7: yeah, well, um, you know, as you know, uh, wild animals haven't been a part of the circus uh, here in Ireland for, I think, maybe five or six years. Um, so the only animals uh, that we have been touring uh, are domestic, which is, say, the horse, ponies, uh, and dogs. Um, Who still need so- our love? Uh, pardon? Who still need our love? Oh, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. So, um, as I say, you know, the, the the horses and ponies here, like they have uh, all their outdoor paddocks. Um, they have uh, uh, an indoor exercise in the area. They have obviously their indoor stables. Um, the dogs, um, fortunately, they all just uh, live in the house. So they live in the house and sleep in the beds. And um, a bit
3: like my own, David. A bit like my own. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, I mean,
7: we've um, uh, you know our. Um, uh our dogs are you know <laughs> there are babies. Yeah. Um and uh I mean really actually over the last eighteen months uh it it, it 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 has been actually a tough time for us uh because uh you know quite a few of our dogs uh you know reach the end of the days mm-hmm. and um so they went to sleep, um, but um, you know, like I know it's been said, but we still have uh, all the rashes, uh, you know, in their in their own little uh, boxes, you know, in the house. Oh. So, so um, yeah, no, I mean they, they 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 are so important to us, and and you know any uh, you know people that uh, any like real circus people like that have been uh, involved in the business and and. and uh, have, have had animals in their care, you know, we have a duty um, to look after them. And, you know, like, it does maybe sound silly, but they are all actually part
3: of the family. Oh, yeah, they, they are. are. Absolutely. Oh, I'm with you there on that. They yeah. Know,
7: they all have names, they all have characters. <coughs> and actually, as I'm talking to you now, uh, Toby, our French <laughs> bulldog, <laughs> has just actually arrived up in the yard and he's licking the face off me. So uh, they're very are
3: popular hearing... now, those dogs, aren't they? If you, if you <laughs> hear, oh, it's like things. <laughs> if you hear any like
0: and,
7: and slobbering in the background, <laughs> it's not my wife, okay?
3: <laughs> but they are. I mean, they are part of of the oh, family, and oh, oh, and it's oh. and, and Tara, it's only right that the, that there's these checks and balances when it comes to animals now.
0: Absolutely. I mean, um, of course, we have to adhere to them all the time, and all of the rest, and we get regular checks and all of that. So it's all very. Um, you know, well,
7: well done and well catered for. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, like, even though, I say, Alison, even though we've been all closed down for the last 18 months, yeah. there has actually been no income and up until, like, you know, very, very recently, there was no, um, you know, there was no support coming mm. uh, through from the government. But um, all our, you know, our horses, our ponies, our dogs, they all still have to be looked after. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, there's there's huge amount of vet bills, obviously farriers, their feet and the special diets that a lot of them are on and obviously just feeding you know just feeding and caring for them in general Absolutely. but um, it, you know it obviously wasn't going to be a case that uh, no matter what support that we were getting uh, or not getting as was the case um, there was never going to be a time obviously that the, the animals here were going to be neglected or looked after
3: absolutely yeah they have to be looked after no matter what yeah, no so no, what, of <laughs> yeah, so, no. Yeah. so you're back at the, so it's the big top with the Celtic or the Celtic voyage um, at Slane Castle next month for two weeks and you're up there next month That's yeah. it.
0: over two weekends and we're so looking forward to it can't wait
3: Brilliant stuff. We're looking forward to it too. Well, look, David Duffy and Tara Jabola, thank you so much for joining us here on The Late Lunch. Very, very welcome. Thanks. Thanks, guys. Okay, we'll take a break and we'll be back soon. Welcome back to The Late Lunch here on LMFM. We have a text here. Hi Alison. It was Lily Allen who sang Somewhere Only We. No, no, you're wrong. You're wrong, Mark In Kells. It's actually Keane and she did a version of it. She did a lovely version of it as well. And she sang it better than Keane but I still love Keane and think the lead singer in Keane is one of the best. Yes, I love Keane. I love Keane as well. And they've kind of gone a bit quiet but yeah, no, Lily uh, Lily Allen did a version of that song. Um, keep the text coming in 086 1800 658. Now you may recognise our next guest. She was on Gogglebox. She's a stunner. She's also a politician now and she's in Canada visiting her family. Yemi Adenuga, how are you?
2: I am great. Thank you. <laughs> it's amazing to be back with you.
3: <laughs> it's great thank to you have you. so much for having me. <laughs> no, it's, it's great to have you. You know, I was looking you up there recently just to get the updates on you and the style. You love your style, don't you? <laughs>
2: Do you know what, Louise, every time I think about uh, life and I think about the joys of life, I always think about the outlook, you know, mm. that we create for ourselves. Let's say looking good is good business <laughs> and smelling good is also good business. You, people will address you the way you are dressed. So I always think about how I want to feel, how I want to be addressed. And so I look good and I feel good and I smell good.
3: <laughs> That's very important. But it also, it's also optics as well. OK, isn't it? Because people, they, they reflect, they mirror from you. If they meet somebody who's weary and drab and not feeling great, which we've, we've all been there, um, mm-hmm. it does project, doesn't it?
2: Absolutely. I mean, it's like listening to somebody when you talk on the phone. You can tell when a person is smiling. You can hear it in their voice you know and some you find some organizations teach how to smile when you're talking so people can feel that in the in your voice it's the same thing when you look good and um, you project either happiness or joy or a possibility or um endless um success you you project that to people uh, sometimes people see that you you're you're wearing outfits that are dreary in color maybe it's gray constantly gray or constantly black and people are thinking okay uh that's a bit drab uh but when you wear color like i love colors you know i come into a room and i like to come with it's like i'm bringing the sunshine so i wear bright colors that help me smile help me it lifts my spirit and it lifts other people's spirits as well Because you find people would say, wow, that's a brilliant color or that's great color on you or that's so bright and that's so beautiful. Mm. Um, So it's really important, you know, uh, the choices that we make in terms of how we look.
3: How did you feel and I, I don't know if you've had a chance to, to read this article um, because I know you're in Canada at the moment with family but there was a, a, an article that went viral by the Mail on Sunday this weekend uh, criticising the women in, Fia- in the Fianna Fáil party about how they dressed um, mm-hmm. and it received a massive backlash even the, the Taoiseach rolled in on it.
2: Well I think it's about time people stopped criticising people how they dress. Uh, sometimes people Feel comfortable in certain outfits because of their body shape, or their body size, or because of their background, uh, the way they've been raised to dress. Mm. Um, aside for, aside from, um, you know, the expectation from you know the world, we're expected sometimes to dress a certain way. I think it's important that people should zoom in. Into how they want to feel, and then make the choices of how they dress. Comfort is important. So when you find people who criticize other people how they dress, the question I always ask is, how are you dressed? And then what's your what's what, how do you feel in yeah. how you dress? Um, more so, the attention usually is towards women, uh, a woman's um, size, a woman's look. Um, Whether she wears makeup or she doesn't wear makeup, you know, all of those things, we need to start empowering ourselves by giving compliments rather than making ourselves feel smaller. You know, I always say that a person who finds fault in another is projecting what they are feeling.
3: I fully, wow. yes, yeah, I, f- I am with you there on that one. Um, there's something something not happy or settled in the person who's saying this because one of the main things is people will be saying, you know, uh, uh, criticising larger women or larger men. Um, fat shaming is a word that's been used. It's a horrible word to use, but it it, it is a, a word that has been used. But I think on the other end of the scale as well, very thin people who may be naturally thin and, you know, or maybe just be in a difficult time in their life I know when I have challenges in my life the first thing that goes is my weight and I'm not a big girl I've always been quite active yeah. and I'd be quite slim um, and that's just that's just the way I am and I'm happy enough like that but I would have dropped a lot of weight when I wasn't unwell and I was extremely criticised for that and that was deeply hurtful but because it wasn't you're overweight you're thin you know then uh, it seemed to be less important to people and it was easier to, to, to say that, but it is equally as hurtful. Well, you see, we don't know what people are going through in their everyday lives.
2: We don't know what challenges they're encountering that is impacting their their look or their weight or their health even. Mm. And so when we say hurtful things, we compound people's problems. We're not helping them. We're making it more difficult for them because then we're shifting the focus from the actual problem and shifting the focus to something else which they didn't consider a problem. So then one problem becomes two because then we've shone the light on something they didn't see as an issue. Uh, We have to always put ourselves in other people's shoes and ask ourselves, how will it feel if I'm wearing that shoe? Will it pinch? Uh, We have to always remember that what you see sometimes is not always what the reality of people's lives are. People move around smiling, trying to get through each day. So I would always say, let your mouth be nice. If you cannot speak something positive to people when you see them, just keep your mouth closed. Yeah. You don't have to speak. You don't have to say anything. Yeah. Find something positive in people. Compliment them. Help them feel good. One of my goals in life is every time people meet me, I want them to feel better than when they first met me. Yes. You no. Know, there's yes. always something good to say about people. Yeah. Look for like a good thing. And if you if you want to correct somebody, it's good to to help people feel get better become better by correcting them but there is a difference between criticism and given a uh, pr- uh, critic being a critic you know yeah. uh, helpful. productive exactly so your choice of words and how you tell a person and um, to do something better is very very important it's not what you say it's how you say it yes very important yes.
3: words can hurt and words can he- can heal also you're coming you're coming up to 50 yemi
2: I am, I am. Women
3: uh, women in particular do get a bit worried about their age. I couldn't care less now. But I mean, you're coming up to 50 and you want to shout it from the rooftops.
2: Do you know what? A lot of people have, have asked me, how can you be so bold to talk about your age or to, to to say your age? And I say, well, do you know what? If I don't say it, what would I be saying then? How, how would I celebrate this milestone? Why should I be ashamed of my age? Mm. I have no reason. As a matter of fact, I'm super grateful that I'm hitting this milestone because with COVID, thank God, almost behind us. So many people have lost their lives and don't have the opportunity that I have now. And um, some people are still going through challenges. I have challenges on my, ho- my own. Um, I had a health scare over the last two years. You know, I, I wasn't talking about it. I was very concerned. I was trying not to show it. And um, but thank God I have the all clear now. When I put all that in perspective, I am super grateful to God that I'm able to see this milestone. And so I really want to celebrate it and use it as a Opportunity to encourage women not to be ashamed of, but to celebrate their age and to be delighted that they're aging gracefully. They're aging beautifully. Age is a process, you know. Yes,
3: absolutely. No, Oscar Wilde. Process. uh, Oscar Wilde once said, "If a woman told you her age, she'd tell you anything." And I was thinking, (laughs) the cheek of him! (laughs) <laughs> because I'm I'm delighted to be forty six. I think I've had a very fulfilling life and I've done loads and I couldn't have done all that without that time. So it That's takes crazy. time to live your life. And so I should be around forty six now. <laughs> <laughs> Thereabouts. Yeah. Yes. But it is it is a time to celebrate because um is the new forty anyways, not to say, or even the new and 30. You know
2: what Fifty is the new sexy baby. <laughs>
3: <laughs> sex and the city eat your heart out tell me this if you've, you've crossed over from entertainment into the political life um it's not heavy politics but you are meeting people on the cold face you know that you're you're there at the front meeting people on the ground how did you find the the transition
2: um i think for me one of the things that's really helped me is that i've always been a people person and i always say that if there's a problem Well, you're not you're just one individual. You're not the only one who can solve it. Two good heads are better than one. So I see my role uh, as a person in politics. My role is to help people come together to look at possible solutions to whatever problems there are are, there. They are. And then I can take that solution and bring it to the people who are to deliver on the solution. Um, I don't think I have all the answers, I'm only one person, but I can use the benefit of my experience uh, and my expertise as a strategist to sit down at a table and profile solutions with people. Uh, so that's helped me in transiting, uh, transitioning from um, entertainment and television and broadcasting and being a people development strategist into politics. I, I don't really still see myself as a politician. I know I'm in politics, mm. but I'm I'm here to look at the problem, address the problem and find a solution to it with the people who are involved in or who are in, in that situation. So that's the way I, I work. And I think that's really helped me. That's helped me a lot.
3: Great stuff. Well, I mean, you can't say it any clearer than that. When's the big day, Yemi, before you go?
2: Well, it's the 23rd of September. And I want to just encourage every woman, every girl who is listening right now, be proud of yourself. Be proud of who you are. Do you know what? Every single day, you have been able to get up, get out, and survive the challenges around you. You must remember that you're surrounded by a network that is a resource to you. So there will be challenges that's life Mm -hmm. tap into your resources let them help you let them help you build and overcome whatever challenge and every time you're able to succeed and overcome a challenge tie a knot but take your right hand put it on your left shoulder tap pat yourself on the shoulder and say well done and say your name celebrate every year every day because life itself is a gift
3: wonderful Wonderful. Thank you so much, Emmy. I, I, I can't top that. <laughs> very <laughs> inspiring. It's a joy to have you here on The Late Lunch on LMFM and uh, Thank you. we'll be thinking about you on your birthday. Thanks so much for joining us.
2: Thank you very much and have a fantastic day
3: yourself. You too, my love. We'll take a break and we'll be back after this. Welcome back to the late lunch. Uh, We have some texts here on 0861800658. Uh, Yemi Adenuga would just be, uh, she's a breath of fresh air. I mean, she's (laughs) lifted us all with that wonderful interview. Um, A texter here says, Hi LMFM, I'm on tablets since May or June 1992 and put on weight from size 10 to 12, then up to size 22 and I was called fatty. You see, that's just, just shocking and people can be so cruel. Another text, her here says, Alison, it's not right where people are making remarks on what you wear. This Internet is a total disaster. People can be very nasty. I'm not ashamed of my age. I'm 58 years of age on Sunday, 19th of September. That's Deirdre and Kells. And happy 50th to Yemi. Yeah, I mean, she's absolutely right. A wonderful, wonderful, uplifting woman and full of inspiring words there for everyone. Well, if you were listening earlier, we were talking about uh, panic buying for Christmas. <laughs> oh, God. Well, i have an 11 year old, so I'm kind of gone past that panic. But I don't think I ever panic ball for Christmas. But anyway, um, Tony D- Tony Duffy from Duffy's Toy World in Dunleer is joining us on the line to tell us to stop. Isn't that right, Tony?
8: I think you're right, Alison. You know, why create a problem when there's no problem, really? But that depends on what sort of toys that we are selling or buying and things like that. You know? Yeah. Um so uh i, I we've no problem as regards to supplies for toys for Christmas because we we do different range. uh threats I believe have uh, put out the thing about the uh, panic buying for Christmas and things like that. I can understand it from their point of view because most of their products come from China, and there's a lot of difficulty as regards the uh, uh, the supply of products from China because of the uh, of the shortage of containers to transport the products. And the price of the container has gone from fourteen hundred euros last year, and it's, just, it's just to carry the container, another thing in it, to twenty one thousand this year. Wow! Now I can understand. I can understand the hyper hyper inflation as regards the container mm. pricing. Like our stuff is, uh, most of our toys um, is all branded stuff, but it's all European, so I have no fear of our supplies being mm. dried up because we do a different range of toys. Most of our stuff does not come from China most of our stuff comes from Europe EU and all the EU countries
3: and I'm working in the toy industry Tony I mean you obviously there at the front and centre stage when it comes to Christmas buying have you noticed an increase in people becoming more frantic in recent years or is this just the way it's always been
8: well there's a lot of agencies out there that will hype up the, the hype up the uh, uh, the, the demand etc you know I'm not saying that that does mm. has happened in any case, but there is a there is a fear of different deliveries coming out of China and things like that because of not being able to get the containers. You remember that ship that was stuck in the Suez Canal that had over nineteen thousand containers on, it, mm. and that was held up for four months. Yeah, between one thing and the other, and a lot of the, some of the stuff that we had coming from China is still on the way. You know, so but we are, we are, we have a different sort of toy shop than uh, than um, uh, Smith's are oh, a very good company
3: yeah
8: and i am very happy to say that they're irish all the way from clare morris and county Mayo. lovely and i'm very happy that we with that part of it but they have a different ethos on the on the toys that's to, to, to what i have i i have this idea that children should be able to uh to learn and to uh to um or to to, to enjoy their toys on a long-term basis you know um
3: well, I was All I right. was uh, driving down from Dublin today, or up from Dublin, as they say. But um, I heard ads on the radio about and interviews about you know get out there and get the toys now, get out there and get your Christmas presents now, and I thought, what really? Yeah. <laughs> have you uh, is it is it a case Tony where people are you know already pre booking or pre ordering things? They you do you turn them away or what? What advice do you? Oh give no, to I,
8: them? that would be one thing I would never do: turning away people. My gosh, I <laughs> have enough to come by something. <laughs> you know, but
3: what what do you uh, say Alison, to them the the when whole, they're in really the looking for? Point,
8: the whole point about the uh, it, we we do not experience any any uh, highs mm. or lows mm. because we sort our products from Europe.
3: Yeah, you have them anyway. Tele-
8: yeah, not television hyped or anything like that. It's imagination, creation and development that we sell. Yeah. It's not television organised items. In fact, I won't allow anything electronic inside in the shop. No battery operated stuff or anything like that. It's long-term play, imagination. That's the important thing that we need to get across to our children. They can play with toys so many different ways. Once, they don't, once they don't, They're not confined by instructions and everything like that or buttons it's on the on the toy itself. Well, I'm sure no, the first it's the, <laughs> the imagination we like. Yeah.
3: And you know it's as 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 they say, you know, children thing need real things that they can touch and feel not things that they're watching.
8: I think so. I think you're right there, you know that they uh, it's it's just you know the be- uh, the beauty of it, a box of bricks to a child sitting on the floor if the child doesn't get it to work at, at first they just knock it down and start again.
3: Yeah. Yeah, it's funny, you know, it, funny, it you know because I I've I have, have a son who's 20 and a son who's 11 and I remember the 20-year-old with the phone in his hand. It was like a death's grip if he got a hold of it and if I tried to take it off him, he held on to it. It was white knuckles. I never saw anything like it. But all of the other mothers said the same thing. It was just the heads in the phone, you know. And I, I'm i a lot more strict now with my youngest son. I'm like, hand it over. But he's he, he's not as strong-willed yet. He's only 11. But I do find that if you interrupt them in the middle of their, their virtual games or their phone, children can become quite uh, aggressive
8: Well, you see, the problem with a lot of the games that was in the past is, how many people did you kill? How many scores did you get, in other words? Mm. You know, uh, a lot of games were of of an aggressive nature. And that's why I turned against all that got to do with all these sort of uh, electronic games. It's all got to do with how many scores you can get over somebody else. It's not just saying how nice you are, how nice I am, or whatever the case may be, or the conversation. You know, we're, we're we're losing a lot of that sort of situation in, in in the toy business, but we thankfully have changed our method over the last number of years, and we're now now for quality toys of imaginative, creative, and developmental product. Well, we sell a lot of our toys for even even for adults because they can be used for adults.
3: Well, we all know where to buy our toys this Christmas, Tony. Well, I hope so. Duffy's Toy World in Dunleer. Yeah, That's Tony Duffy there. Tony, thanks very much for joining no, us no, on no The late. Talk to you. You Take too. Care. Take care. We'll Bye. be back after this. Does anyone remember Nicolas Cage in that film Angels? Isn't that what that song was from? That was a lovely film, wasn't it, Louise? Megan Ryan was on it or Meg Ryan, I should say. And I they kind not ever seen that film. Did you not? No. Yeah, he was an angel and they fall in love and I'm not going to ruin mm. it for people who haven't heard it. But that song became huge from that film. I just remember when I was over in America it was massive. Was in it? In all the bars it was just being played the whole time. Yeah, it always re- reminds me of a real strong yeah. ballad, isn't it? Fabulous. Yeah, loved Well, Nicholas Cage, anyway, he was handsome in his day. Not so handsome now, though, I have to say. Anyway, Deirdre's <laughs> on again here. Alison, the president of Ireland, needs to get involved in this urgent matter to get Mary out to Australia. The help is needed. Yes, she is. Listen, she is a feisty, fiery woman and she's got fire in her belly because there are two babies out there. Both her daughter and her um, partner, Shane McGill, who uh, Michelle is looking after. So and I have no doubt. And the granddaughter. Yes, and the granddaughter. I, I, can't, I just can't imagine what they're going through. But I have to say the support is phenomenal, isn't it? I, I mean, it's, it's, it's really, really important and rightly so. They do need that help. So um, fingers crossed. The well-known people. All will All be well. Yeah. And we wish them the very best of luck and we, we'll keep you updated on that story. Uh, don't forget, coming up on the late lunch, uh, one of my favourite stories. Two men who swam the North Channel yesterday are going to be joining us. Uh, but keep the text coming in here on 086 1800 658. And of course, you can email us at info at lmfm.ie. I'm Alison O'Reilly and I'm here anyway for the next while. Mm-hmm. So Louise is stuck with me. <laughs> She'll <laughs> she be running me back to Melbourne. Dublin. Dublin. If <laughs> he, saying, geez, I can't get that one. Better go back to Dublin quick." <laughs> <laughs> she never shuts up. <laughs> so keep the text coming in, guys. We love to hear from you, and uh, we'll take a short break. And uh, yeah, it's it's but uh, it's it's swimming the North Channel I think next. Dry yet? If I think they'll have dried off yet. Oh God! And I'd say a well-earned drink as well. <laughs> what do you think? A nice hot whiskey or something? Getting out of that something, freeze? I'd say, yeah, mm, definitely. I wonder, did they see Wally the walrus? on their way <laughs> there was a terrible story Imagine yesterday I meant to say up. this to you there was a terrible terrible story yesterday on Facebook and I, I follow all his updates um, a, a, a carcass had been found and <sighs> they ex- thought it was Wally the Walrus and I said it's not I'm not even reading it I, I looked at the pictures and it looked like a dolphin which is terribly sad too but uh, no Wait, did you find it? it wasn't it's not oh, well, that's no good. that guy's here to stay Good. Well, we can ask the lads anyway. Did they have any sightings of them? Okay, go on. We'll take a break. We we'll back after this. Welcome back. Now, if you are a swimmer like me and love the water and you know have dreams of being a fish and all those things, you will really enjoy our next segment. These two guys on the line swam the North Channel yesterday. Louise wanted to know if you've dried off yet. Welcome, <laughs> David Moran and Blair Clinton. How are you both? Welcome to along to the uh, to the late lunch. How's things
6: Things. Super, Alison. Um, yeah, the shivers have just sort of calmed down and the, that swaying sensation from <laughs> left to right. Um, it's just that uh, literally, I think we were we were swaying for about 12 hours afterwards. The two of us were standing at the toilets about three hours later, And are you swaying? Yeah, we're both swaying. So, um, A body like jelly. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's good though. and um, massive relief from getting over the line. I don't think I realise how hard it would be. Blair's done lots of these sort of challenges before, but it was the first time I did anything like it.
3: So it was your first time, David?
6: <laughs> first time doing any real sort of significant challenge like this, yeah. I'd done other triathlons and different things, but this was um a different level of extreme. Um, now Blair, Blair literally came from his idea, Couch to Channel, uh, last year during COVID. He was a beginner swimmer and he said, you know what, people do Couch to 5K, why don't we do Couch to Channel? And I said, well, they don't do it because they're crazy. <laughs> uh, it won't be possible. <laughs> um, but he is crazy. And um, we got Stephen as well. So we were a three-person team um, to cross. So Stephen played water polo with me for years. And he he helped us across, and Blair literally came from a very beginner swimmer this time last year to a Channel swimmer yesterday.
3: Wow, that's he incredible. You more
6: about it, there, he's, he's, uh, yeah.
3: Wow, Blair, you're you're doing these things all the time, punishing your body, as I would say. But I mean, it's I'd say it's hugely exhilarating, is it?
5: How, how you doing, Alison? Hey, yeah. Look, it, it was, and I I had a lot of admiration for uh, David and uh, Murph because. To be fair, it probably was their first event, and they were pure beasts, and it nearly put me to shame because it was one of the toughest things uh, I've ever uh, tried to do. Um, So it it was a great day yesterday, a great day at the beach, you know.
3: A great day at the beach and not your average day. So just explain to our listeners what this entails. Where do you start? Where do you finish? How long does it take and how long? How far is it?
5: Um, well it's 34 and a half kilometres as a bird flies but um,
3: now is that 34 kilometres of non-stop swimming or can you take a little breathe and kind of you know do a little bit of uh, treading water
5: well well, there is uh, mad people that do it solo um, lucky enough David was smart enough to go we need another swimmer Blair uh, so we did as a relay so at least we were an hour in and we got two hours rest um, now the hour in goes very slowly and the two hours rest goes very quickly. Uh, <laughs> I'd say it does. You'd you, you only getting warmed up and dried off by the time you have been giving a call to get back in. Uh God. So, uh, yeah, it was uh, great. Solos.
3: That's incredible stuff. and um, it's But 34 kilometres is very, very long. I mean, w- w- would you be keen to jump back in and do it again or would it be an annual thing? Or... How soon should you give yourself before you try anything like that again?
6: Forever, maybe. Um,
3: (laughs) That's it. It's a (laughs) one-off. I
6: think it could be. Um, Well, I got off back onto land and my eldest daughter said, right now, Daddy, your next challenge, I've been thinking, you should run the Great Wall of China. Oh, God. um, She was already thinking of the next thing. Um, I think I'm, I'm personally quite happy to spend a bit of time with the kids and work better for the next while. But do you know what? It has been a, it's been a great year, um, especially if you're doing sea swimming as well. We spend a lot of time over in Laetown, Betty's Town, mm. um, especially during COVID when you weren't able to go outside your county, etc. That's where we were spending a lot of time swimming and meeting people. And it was great to clear the head. So many people are now out there um, using the sea to either sea dip or sea swim. And it's good for mental health, um, and and all these things. That's why we're raising money for the RNLI. That was the other reason of doing the like of this, and so we raised over ten and a half thousand.
3: but well, they and, do? They do, do great fiber. work. Yeah.
6: Um so they're the ones that are out there, sort of keeping people safe. And um, as I said, we sort of chose them because the whole thing of um, people being out in the sea has got so popular over the last year. They are going to be busy, and ultimately. Um, we hoped we weren't ever going to need them but um, it was good to raise money for them just in case we did.
3: Yeah, all these new sea swimmers, they've stolen our ideas. Sorry, we mm-hmm. were all sea swimming long before you lot came yeah. along. Yeah,
5: exactly. <laughs> we the new dry robe uh, swimmers, you know.
3: Pardon? Say that again, Blair. We're,
5: we're the new dry robe swimmers.
3: <laughs> <laughs> but how long does it take in total, Blair? 13 hours or something, is it?
5: Yeah, 13 hours, 40 minutes. Um uh, I think we did about 43 kilometres, I think,
6: isn't that right, David? Wow. Yeah, yeah, we decided to take the long route over. Yeah. The tides bring you up and down, so you have to sort of go with the tide and then try and fight the tide back. Um, so, periods of time you're you're moving nearly 4 kilometres an hour, and next thing you're moving only 2 kilometres an hour. Um, so, you take the rough with the smooth. Um, and then again, there's a thing called Beaufort Stike in the middle, and um, which is 200 metres deep. And that gets really cold water there because it never really gets to warm up um, just because it's so, so deep.
3: And David, I I, th- I believe you were joined by some exotic sea creatures.
6: Yeah, yeah, yeah. The wildlife, uh, there was... Well, initially, there were a couple of dolphins beside me in the dark, uh, literally, apparently, one metre away. Um, one of our crew, Mark, shone this torch over and just luckily got to see two dolphins jumping right beside me um, between the boat and me. Um, and I got out of the water and they were all going oh, did you see the dolphins I was like no nope, no idea and they are like literally it was closer than I am to you now no. um, and oh, that was nice and then there's it is infamous for the lion's mane jellyfish no. and everyone all of us saw plenty of them but yeah there was a stretch where um, apparently a group of Jellyfish is called smack and I know why it is, because it literally does feel like you got a smack.
8: Wow. Um,
6: but yeah, one says I was deciding to swim for Wales instead of Scotland and the captain of the boat had to leave the leave the wheel and come back and have some strong words with me to tell me, Do you know what, toughen up you have to swim through this, <laughs> 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 This is part of it. Oh, I god, heels was looking like a better option.
3: Oh, the jellyfish, <laughs> no, you never get used to them. Blair, you run Chekhov's Cafe in Navan. yes, and you've done things like Race Across America and Race Around Ireland, so you've just done a million things,
5: yeah. And I suppose, um, my, my weakness, well, no, I I could swim. Until I went swimming with Dave and figured out I I couldn't swim. So instead of doing something I knew, I just thought, especially with COVID, it should happen. We can always hit the sea. We might as well aim to do this. Um, So it was a great opportunity and it was great to have Dave as a wingman. as He's a beast in the water. Um, And as you said, it was great to be able to go to see when things were locked down. And great for our mental health and great for for everything so it was uh, just another box ticked um, I think I'd be selling my uh, swimming tugs. You know, <laughs> <laughs> like that's it
3: bitch, No, I mean. once you get uh, the bug that's it
5: yeah yeah I have to say um, it was one of the even the race across America it's like when you're always moving forward you're in control yeah you can control in the sea you're, you're just Going with Mother Nature, you know, you, Brilliant you can't stuff, yeah. decide yeah. what you want to do. So you have to go with the currents and tides. Great stuff. Uh, so is it, yeah, it's different, completely different. Thing I was ever used
3: to well uh, good for you both good for you both uh, thank you so much for coming on to the Late Lunch to tell us about your phenomenal achievement swimming the North Channel yesterday that's David Murnahan and Blair Clinton on the Late Lunch thanks guys thanks a million and well thanks done thank you. Thank you. Bye bye thanks guys well that's it that's it for the show for today and uh, we'll be back tomorrow at half past one do come back to us we love to hear from you and uh, Eddie Caffrey's on the way
0: For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash loss.
2: A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com.
3: Planning for your next trip?